Okay, so last week in 2 Chronicles 14 and 15, we studied the life of Asa, and I tell you, I was really encouraged by this, and uh, actually it was two weeks ago, right? Last, last week was the first Tuesday of the month, so we prayed using those verses from 2 Chronicles 15, where it says that Asa commanded the whole country to seek the Lord God of Israel. And, you know, usually a command is made like that. People will start playing religion. They'll start playing church. They'll start whatever, just uh, going through the motions. But I got to tell you, one of the most uh, encouraging verses in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 15, 15 says, And Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. The whole country sought God with all their soul. And so uh, we used that as a springboard for prayer uh, last week. And we're, um, but in, it, it it, uh, at the end of the chapter, he removes the image of his mother. I do understand the NIV says his grandmother. There's a, a difference in the translations there in, in, in uh, verse 16. Um, but uh, then we come here to chapter 16. Again, Second Chronicles in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 16. And it says in the 30th, sixth year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah that he might not let anyone go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. So this is, you know, the, Asa's got a long life. Yeah, rather, he's got a long reign. He's got a long reign. Uh, his reign is... Uh, his reign was 41 years, and that's a long time and a great long reign to have a good king. He was one of the few good kings in the south. Now, remember what happened under Solomon's son Rehoboam, uh, there was a civil war, and because of Solomon's uh, just his really terrible behavior towards the end of his life. He had all those wives. Some of them turned him to foreign gods. He was sacrificing some of his children to foreign gods. God, there's going to be judgment on a country when this kind of thing happens. And uh, the Lord brought a prophet uh, to, during the reign of a, um, um, Solomon and, and, and told this guy named Jeroboam, you're going to be king. Of, the Nor uh, of a, a different country within Israel. Ten tribes are going to go to you. And indeed, that happened under Solomon's son, Rehoboam. And so now there's Israel in the north. Ten tribes never had a good king. Every single one of them was wicked. In the south, it's the reign of the Messiah. Starts with David. Goes right down to Jesus Christ. Uh, there's good kings and bad kings. And so uh, this Asa was a good king. For most of his reign, it wasn't until the 36th year, we're like, no, tell me it isn't so. Because 
it really was phenomenally encouraging to read about the first, um, about the first 15 uh, years of his life. He was doing so well, and the whole country's prospering tremendously. And, and along with um, when, when a nation starts seeking the Lord, material prosperity comes in. Um, it, it, it just, it's just a fact. It's a promise in the, uh, that that's, you see throughout the Old Testament, and it just happens. And unfortunately, Asa, in the closing years of his life, he, um, his, his, his heart uh, is, is not in that place of seeking. Verse 2 says, then Asa, so, so this, this king in the north in Israel, um, in, the, in other words, the northern ten tribes, those ten tribes, remember, um, no good kings up there. They're worshiping Baals. They have uh, golden calves, just like uh, the Israelites had in the wilderness after they came out of Egypt. They're worshiping these golden calves. Um, and uh, they, uh, they basically come up against Judah in the south. And King Asa, this is the line of the Messiah, remember. And it says, verse 2, Then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, and there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Come, break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, and he will withdraw from you. So Ben-Hadad, he did. This is a Syrian king. There's a king that worships foreign gods. This is an evil king. It says he heeded King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. They attacked Aijon, Dan, Abel, Maam, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. Now it happened when Basha heard it that he stopped building Ramah and ceased his work. Then King Asa took all Judah and they carried away the stones and timber of Ramah which Basha had used for building and with them he built Geba and Mizpah. So, what's wrong here? We saw, didn't we not, in chapter 14, same king, He's about 15 years younger than he is here. And a million-man army from Ethiopia came up to attack him. And what did he do? Anyone remember what he did? This one word. What? He prayed. That's what he did. A great prayer. Chapter 14, verse 11, he cried out to the Lord, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have power. Help us, O Lord God, for we rest in you, and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail over you. And the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. He trusted in the Lord. Here now, 15 years later, over 15 years later, same kind of thing happens. There's not a million men, but it's, it's still his, his nation is threatened. What does he do? 
he goes to a country which is a really wicked country that does really wicked things. And he empties the treasury of the Lord in verse 3, offers the king money and says, hey, can you come help me? Now, if you looked at whatever, the Time magazine of the day or the Newsweek of the day, they would hail this as such a diplomatic victory. This guy's a genius. Look what he did. He, he, he entered into this treaty with this other country, and it all succeeded. The king that was attacking him left, and not only that, he went and took all his stones. I, I, the, 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 the king of um, Israel in the north had been building this city to not let anyone go and basically stopping up the trade route type of thing, not letting people go in or out. And uh, he flees back because he was threatened by the king of Syria. And so uh, King Asa gets all the stones, brings it back to uh, uh, Jerusalem. I have no doubt in my mind he was telling people, look what the Lord has done. See what God has done? He's, he's blessed this. And, and, and everyone would have said, yeah, let's, let's throw a, 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 praise and offer, a, a praise and worship service and praise the Lord because there's been victory here. But that was not so. It says in verse 7, at that time, Hananiah the seer. A seer is someone who sees visions. Another word is a prophet. Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians, here he's referring to that million-man Ethiopian army, were the Ethiopian and the Lubim, not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, He delivered them into your hand. Now this very famous verse, some of you have probably heard it. If you've never heard it, write it out on your computer or a piece of paper, cut it off of paper and put it over your doorpost because this is a good one, people. For the eyes of the Lord. Run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Oh man, let that just be water to your soul. I just have to say it again. It's such a phenomenal verse. Because this is talking about you. The Lord's looking for you. To exercise faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6 But the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. In this you have done foolishly, Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. When you exercise your faith, when your boss asks you at work to cheat, and, and, and you, you, you remember what the Bible says, 
But stealing is wrong. Ephesians chapter 4 said, let him who steals, steal no longer. <laughs> Your boss asks you to, to lie? Does he, another really important verse in the Bible, do not lie. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And you don't, you're exercising faith. The Lord is blessed. The Lord's heart is blessed. And he, the Bible says, his eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. So when you have to team up with like a wicked king in order to accomplish what, you know, whatever God's will in your life or defend you or whatever, it's not blessing the heart of the Lord. But here, it's, there's even a bigger problem is that you have the king who is now misrepresenting the Lord and he is sending out a message to his people that God's not big enough. And I've shared with you, you all sometimes that that's just a prayer of mine. God, you're bigger than this. You are so bigger than this. You have solutions I know nothing about. But Asa is sending out a message that God is not big enough. And that he, they have to go and rely on, on a nation who worships foreign gods that are, of course, no gods at all. Evil gods, gods that require child sacrifice, gods that require temple prostitution and these kind of things that were so, that are so wicked. And uh, there's consequences here. The prophet tells him, from now on, you'll have wars. You think you're avoiding, avoiding wars. From now on, you're going to have wars. And here's what's so sad. In verse 10, it says, Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the time. Remember with Solomon's son, when he first got into power, all the people came to him and said, your father was a slave driver. He oppressed us. Tell us that you're going to lighten the load. Remember that? Any, any of you remember that? Rehoboam? And Rehoboam, what did he do? He, he consulted the wise men, the older folks, who said, yeah, you better do that. You, you better lighten the load. Instead, he listened to his drinking buddies, who said, no, you go tell them. Who are you to be telling me what to do? And he went back to them, and he said, Get out of here, man. We're gonna. I'm gonna make it tougher in my reign than under Solomon's reign. But it was, in, 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 and so that's what led to the civil war and the ten tribes going to the north. The important point being, when Solomon, when Solomon stopped loving the Lord his God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength, he stops loving people. Remember, they went to Jesus. What's the most important? What's the first command? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. When you stop loving God, you stop loving your neighbor. When Solomon stopped loving God, he started oppressing the people. When Asa stopped loving God, he started oppressing his own people. That's what it says there. It says that he, um, it says that he uh, oppressed some of the people at that time. End of verse 10. And that's a far cry from... Uh, verse 15 of Second Chronicles 15, where the whole country's rejoicing because they're worshiping the Lord. Asa, what are you doing, dude? Tell you, this speaks to my heart so much. So what happened? The answer is in the next couple of, uh, the next few verses. Verse 10 says, "Then Asa was angry with the seer. And put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some people at that time. Note, the acts of Asa, first and last, are indeed written in the books of the kings of Judah and Israel. Now listen to this. And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord but the physicians. So Asa rested with his fathers, and he died in the 41st year of his reign. So we, we see here, yet again, what the problem was. And I, and I know I've been like a broken record. And don't know if you guys even know what a record is anymore. That's what I grew up with. What do they, you guys have files? I hate to sound like a broken file. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay, I, I hate to sound like a broken file, just repeating itself. Do files even do that? <laughs> so it doesn't work anymore. Going to have to figure out something else. What? Right, yeah, no. I, uh... Anyway, you guys know what I mean, right? I hate to sound like a broken record, but what did David tell Solomon right before David died? He told his son, you got to do these three things. You got to... Anyone remember what they are? First Chronicles 28. Anyone remember what, you're, what they are? Where's the first thing? Know the Lord. Number two, serve the Lord. Number three, seek the Lord. So we know Solomon knew a lot about the Lord. He wrote all the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes in the Song of Solomon. Number two, he served the Lord. He did that his whole life. All he had to do was be the king. It was a theocracy. He was serving the Lord, just being the king. But what did he stop doing? He stopped seeking the Lord, meaning he stopped going before the Lord and saying, okay, every day, every day, folks, going before the Lord and saying, God, okay, show me my heart. Search me, examine me, see if there's any wicked way in me. Lord, show me, please. Lord, and, and he will be faithful to show you that person that you are not forgiving, that, that, that boss that you're not um, supporting, that, that uh, friend who you don't call anymore because they slight, he'll show you your wicked heart. But if you don't seek the Lord, slowly your heart is going to be growing hard. Asa stopped seeking the Lord. It says in verse, uh, just like Solomon did, uh, in verse 12 it says, he did not seek the Lord when his, um, um, his feet were diseased. But he sought physicians. Not that it's wrong to go to doctors. I think I have some doctors here in this room. I better be very careful. 
But always first go to the Lord. Always. When you're physically ill or whatever is happening with you. In this case, it says there were wars. If he had gone, look, war started up as, and if he had gone to the Lord and said, Lord, all these wars, what are they about? What do you want me to do? I believe he would have been healed. I believe the implication here is he would have been healed. He stopped seeking the Lord. And that, uh, that other spectacularly famous verse from first, uh, ooh, no, where was it? In that other incredibly famous verse that we went over, where was it? Come on. Where are you? I'm just going to, I know it. It's in, it's in Chronicles. Where are you? Verse, chapter 7, verse 14. It says, If my people who are called by my name will, number one, humble themselves. Number two, pray. Number three, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So there's a distinction there between praying and seeking. Again, it says, If my people will humble themselves. If my people will pray. If my people will seek the Lord and turn from their evil ways. If you're not seeking the Lord, you're not going to know what evil ways to turn from. Because you're not, so often, you know, in our pride, we, we, we think we're pretty good. The problem is we're always comparing ourselves maybe to other people and not to the Word of God, not to God Himself. So anyway, Asa here, um, very, uh, very sad ending to a, a life that is otherwise it's so encouraging to me, this guy. He really is. You talk about a spiritually successful guy. He got the whole country seeking the Lord with all their heart. Chapter 15, verse 15. And so it's, a, it's just a warning to my heart. It's a warning. One of the verses um, that, uh, one of the verses that uh, I love is, and that I always, I think about all the time, is 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says this, it says, um, but we with unveiled face, meaning we're saved, the veil of unbelief was taken off, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of God. And so the, the idea there from glory to glory is it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter um, 20, verse uh, uh, 24, this is, this is before Paul goes to Jerusalem. Everyone's telling him not to go. Listen, you're going to be put in chains there. And, and he, says, uh, he, he, he says, none of these things move me. In verse 24 of Acts 20, Nor do I count my life dear that I might finish my race with joy. Asa does not sound like a guy who had a whole lot of joy in his life. He was a, a grumpy old man. He'd stopped seeking the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, Those whom God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. Each year, it's the will of God for you to grow closer to the Lord and more like the Lord. 
It's never the will of, of God for you to stay the same, and there's no such thing. Staying the same, you go backward. It's never the will of the Lord for you to plateau. I remember as a brand new Christian, Stephanie and I were in a, in a Bible study, and an elder of the church, who we love very much, but he, he, he starts talking about, you know, 90% of Christians, or 80% of Christians, they reach a plateau, and then, and then that's it. They stop growing. And it was not qualified to say, and you guys should never do that. <laughs> he didn't make any such qualification. I could, I, all I could think of, there's just not, that's no, no way the Bible teaches that's okay. It's not okay for you to stop growing, ever. And I can tell you, it gets better and better. If you're willing to seek the Lord, it gets better and better and better. Paul says, I just want to finish my race with joy. His joy got better and better. Jesus, in, in John chapter 15, he says, I've told you all these things. I think it's verse 13 of John 15. So that you will have my joy and your joy will be complete. Your joy glorifies the Lord. So when it talks about in, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, you go from glory to glory. The more joy you have in your life, the more you glorify the Lord. And so um, let's go on to the next chapter, which is one of my favorite people in the Bible. And it's not just because of his name, Jehoshaphat. It's not just because of his name. Jehoshaphat. Sounds like some, a word that makes you want to just jump on a horse and start riding or something. I mean, you're thinking, well, I don't like riding horses. Um, riding horses is cool. You should, you should try it. I, let, let's finish off the last verse, though. In verse 14 of chapter 16, it says, They buried him in his own tomb, which he made for himself in the city of David, and they laid him in the bed, which was filled with spices and various ingredients prepared in a mixture of ointments. They made a very great burning for him. And so what that was referring to is um, the incense, they're burning incense. He was a good king, and the people overall loved him. By the way, we do kind of dive deep from time to time on, on Tuesday nights. One of the verses um, that, that may trip you up is 2 Chronicles 15. I promise I'll get to Jehoshaphat, but go back to 2 Chronicles 15, verse 17. It says, the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was loyal all his days. Now, why does it say that? I mean, that's odd, right? And um, I, I don't know that I have the greatest answer for you. I do know that the writer knows what they're doing. The very next chapter, they describe the guy's putting a prophet in jail. I think, I think really what it means, you never see this guy turning to Baals, like so many of the, of the other kings. You don't see him putting up Asherah poles and, and like so many of the other kings did. You don't see him uh, doing that. He never did that. Uh, and, and I believe... That's the way to reconcile the things. You know, when you see um, a problem verse like that, don't just say, oh, no, I, I, I just want to pretend that verse doesn't exist and I want to keep on. <laughs> Ask the Lord. And, and I believe that's what it's talking about because we're going to see, man, are we going to see some dudes after this who are kings, who they, they started worshiping foreign gods, sacrificing their kids, uh, just... Uh, Temple prostitution, the in the that 
King Ahaz, who we'll see eventually, he shut the whole temple up. He just he 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 shut the door he, and put boards over. You couldn't even get in. And so in that sense, Asa's heart was loyal to the to the Lord all his days. And so he he also probably was a good father. That even though some good fathers have sons who rebel, including Jehoshaphat's, unfortunately, um, Jehoshaphat really outdoes his dad. He does. He was just a phenomenal king. It says in verse 1, Then Jehoshaphat his son reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. So, again, that's the northern kingdom. Israel by now, the name Israel is associated with the northern ten, ten tribes. And he placed troops in, um, in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa his father had taken. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Wouldn't you love to have that said about your life after you die? The Lord was with Mary. We have at least two Marys in this room. <laughs> the Lord was with Antonio, Chris. The Lord was with Caillou. The Lord was with him, was with her. It says the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. Speaking of David. Now what? David's always the standard. He's always the standard of every king. He's the standard. Either a king fell short or a, or, or a king walked in the ways of David. What was it about David that was so admi admirable? He was a man after God's own heart. God loves worship. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, the Father seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. He obviously wasn't a perfect man. He committed adultery and then killed the husband or the woman he committed adultery. I mean, but then he sought the Lord. The Lord forgave and put away his sin. It says he it says here though, he he walked in the ways of his father. He did not seek the Baals. Baals were just these foreign, different foreign gods that were just an excuse by the worshipers to sin in one way or another. They liked their sin, so they made a god for their sin. So they could worship their sin and think they were religious. But look at verse 4. But he sought the God of his fathers. Not only prayed, he sought him. And walked in the commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. And all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat. And he had riches and honor and abundance. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. His heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Now, I tell you one thing that I'm really passionate about I think I'm due to give another Sunday morning sermon about this. Is that you hear 
oftentimes we walk by faith and uh, what's important is faith and not feeling. Um, that's only half the truth. <laughs> it's true. In, when we obey, we never obey on the basis of whether we feel like obeying, ever. It doesn't matter if what we feel like, we need to obey what the, uh, what the Word of God says. But we hear that so often, sometimes it's almost like you hear certain pastors or preachers, it's like feelings are wrong. In fact, feelings are extremely important, and if your heart isn't into God, you will fall away from God. If you don't know what he knows here, which is, uh, he, uh, it, it says he, his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Let me tell you, the people who don't backslide and live, whatever, 40 years, and they die and go to be with the Lord, and the whole time they're walking strong with the Lord, they delight in the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. I hear, I don't, I, I passed a couple of guys, I absolutely love their, their, um, their ministries, but I've heard on, 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 on some of their, uh, I've heard it said on, you know, on one of their programs, at least one, God cares more about your holiness than your happiness. They'll never read that in the Bible, ever. <laughs> one of the reasons is, is that joy, and I'm talking about the feeling of joy, is part of who Jesus said he was. John chapter 15 again, verse 13, he said, he said I've, I, 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 I teach you all these things so that your joy may be full. So that you have my joy and that your joy may be full. What is holiness? Easiest way to define holiness is what? Anyone remember the easiest way to, to figure out what the definition of holiness is? Someone say it. What? Set apart, well, that's good. But how do you find out what holiness is? You want to know what's holy. What do you do? What's that, Rita? Okay. What's that? Sinless. Okay. It's a lot more than sinless. A practical way of knowing what it is to be holy is just look at Jesus. He is... Oh, did you say that? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, for the live stream, Mary De Silva got, <laughs> got it right. You just look at the life of Jesus. He's holy. And if Jesus is talking about my joy, I'm going to give you my joy. Part of who he is, part of his holiness is what? His happiness. <laughs> you hear, oh, what's important is happiness and not joy. The problem is there's no distinction between those two words <laughs> in the New Testament. Jesus himself talks about, um, you know, the woman who's in labor. She's in lots of pain. And when that baby comes, she's filled with joy and she forgets her pain. He's, he's talking about happiness there. He delights himself in the Lord, Jehoshaphat is talking about a feeling. It's an affection. Our hearts always went out to our mind. For that reason, we should always be seeking the joy of the Lord. We don't seek not to have trials. We don't seek not to have suffering. There is suffering. Christians are called to suffering. 
The book of First Peter makes that really clear. A Christian is called to suffer like his Lord. But there's joy in the suffering. There's joy in the offering. And so, yes, we, we obey not based upon our feelings, but our faith. But that doesn't mean feelings are not important. They're so important because when you lose all your feeling for God, you will leave God eventually, or you'll just become religious. And it says here, he, his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord, meaning he enjoyed the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. Verse 7, also in the third year of, the, of his reign, he sent his leaders, Ben-Hael, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathaniel, and Micaiah to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent the Levites, Shemaiah, Nethaniah, Zebediah, Asahel, Shemaramoth, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, Tobadonijah. Tobadonijah. How's that, Tiffany? You're going to be having a baby soon? There's a name for you. You can call him Toby. <laughs> or, or Toba. I don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl. Adonijah, Tobijah, Tobadonijah, the Levites, and with them Elishama and Joram the priests. So they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And I love this. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the kings of the land that, that were around Judah so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. And so what did we say last week when we talked about his father Asa, who, by the way, did the same thing. He loved God so much, he sent people out to teach others about God. What did we say? A faith not worth sharing is not a faith worth having. When someone says, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you Christians, you know, it's okay. I'm glad your faith is good for you, but you don't force it on others. And Listen, I mean, if I am not sharing my faith, I, it's not worth having my faith. And so here's a guy, he is showing his delight in the Lord by what? I got to tell other people about this. I got to tell I've got to go to other places. He is sending people throughout Judah. What's kind of interesting about this, for those of you who like to dive, dive deep, I hope you do, verse 8 speaks he sent Levites, which is normal because they're the guys who, remember the tribe of Levi, Levi they're, the, they're, they're, the, they're the temple workers, and they're the, usually the people who... Um, who usually the people who go out and teach, but in the previous verse, it says he sent his leaders to go out and teach. His leaders were God-fearing men. And he's sending them out around his country to teach people about the Lord. So this wasn't just, you know, a, a tragic thing happens when there's a, a class of people like pastors or priests or bishops or cardinals and they're the holy ones we don't have to worry about you know learning the word of god and, and you know and stuff like that uh it, it, but but yet the people themselves remain ignorant 
It's never, ever the will of God for that to happen. God wants all people, great and small, whoever they are, learning the Word of God. And He's sending them out to the country. And and then it says, the fear of the Lord, verse 10, fell on all the kingdoms of the land that were around Judah. So that was a God thing. God was protecting His people by putting a fear of them on their enemies. They were fearful to come up against them. And so they did not make war with Jehoshaphat. I got to tell you, my prayer for my own children is that they outdo me spiritually. They become more mature, more godly, more fruitful than me. Sorry, Faith, I don't want to put a whole lot of pressure on you. But it really is my prayer for all my five kids. Here, Jehoshaphat is outdoing his dad. And you want your kids. Believe me, you want to pray for your kids to outdo you. This is a wonderful thing to be able to see children just seeking the Lord in, in such a way Verse 11, and also some of the Philistines. The, now, the Philistines, they were just whatever. They, they, they were the, 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 they'd always been enemies um, of the nation of Israel. Actually, to this day, the Gaza Strip, enemies of Israel. They brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver as tribute, and the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams, 7,700 male goats. So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful and he built fortresses and storage cities of Judah. He had much property in the cities of Judah and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. These are their numbers. According to the father's house of Judah, the captains of thousands, Adna, the captain with him, 300,000 mighty men of valor. And next to him was Jehonan, the the uh, the captain, and with him 280,000. Next to him, Amasiah, the son of Zikri, who willingly offered himself to the Lord, which we knew, uh, wish we knew more about that guy. And with him, 200,000 mighty men of valor of Benjamin, Eliada, a mighty man of valor, and with him, 200,000 men armed with bow and shield. And next to him was Jehozabad, and with him, 180,000 prepared for war. These serve the king besides those the king put in the fortified cities throughout all Judah. 